anything new today that probably you haven't heard, and that doesn't make any difference. You read the same Bible over and over and over and over again. It's when God takes his word and speaks to us that makes a difference. It's not how much we know. It's not how much we read. It's not how much we do anything. It's up to him. It's when the electricity comes on in our life. It's when the Holy Spirit ministers to us. When he does something in us, then we can respond to something. So I want to talk about faith this morning. And it's not an easy subject to talk about. So I'm going to talk about the foundation of faith and the fellowship of faith and then how faith is the victory. So if we could have a, a scripture, it would be the one over in the fifth chapter of First John, which says, Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world even our faith. So faith is the victory. And most of you know the Hebrews scripture on faith, where faith is the evidence of things not seen. Consequently, the foundation of faith starts in the early scripture of the Bible when Adam and Eve were born, when they were made, they weren't born when they were created and made. And by the way, while I'm on that, I've got a, a burr in my saddle on that created thing. We don't create. We are created. Artists don't create. They compose. They do things. Musicians don't create. They simply take what already is there and arrange it. The notes are already here. All the colors are here. Everything is here for us. God created this for us. And I keep hearing people using that term. The only reason it bothers me is because it's, again, putting man over God. And, and that's a problem. Our whole society has lost respect for God. We have a scary situation going on. And, and when our president said that he wanted to fundamentally change our country, he is fundamentally changing it. I don't want to change our country. <laughs> I want it to be the country that it was intended to be under God and for God. So in the beginning... God created the heaven and the earth. That's the first verse in the scripture. Between the first verse and the second verse, maybe are millions of years, I don't know. My theory is many, many millions of years, hundreds, thousands of million years, maybe a billion years between the first verse and the second verse. But when God created it for man or recreated it for man to live on this earth, he did certain things. And when he created man and put him in the Garden of Eden, 
man was perfect. I mean, the guy, think of the IQ of a person that could be given all the animals on the earth, all the trees, all the grasses, all the flowers, and had the ability to name every one of them and know about all of them. That's, that's what was created. I mean, this, this was something else. And, he was, and man was all alone. And he had sense enough to know that he needed a partner. He needed a, a wife. And so God did that. It was already in God's plan. You know what the worst thing is? It was already in God's plan all that happened after that. It wasn't his will, but it was in his plan. Listen, God's will does not always get done. You can be rest assured of that. If you don't know that, it's going to create great problems for you, and you're going to have a misconception of who God is. And God loves us, and he, he wants the best for us. But he doesn't always get his way in our lives, right? I mean, I remember one time I sinned. <laughs> he didn't get his way. How about you? Probably once for you too. Well, we that's the story of our lives. And so there's a reason for faith. There was no faith on the earth when Adam and Eve were made. They didn't need faith. They didn't have any faith. They didn't need the attribute of faith. They didn't need the gift of that being in their lives. They didn't have the capacity for faith. Obviously, they had the capacity for imagination in order to be able to name everything. But they didn't have any faith at all. They didn't have to have any faith. Do you have to have faith in something that's unseen? They could say, well, Father, where are you? And here he was, walking with them. Actually, it was Jesus. You'll never see the Father. You'll see Jesus Christ. If you've seen him, you've seen the Father. If you've seen him, you've seen the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the perfect manifestation of God himself to humankind. Now, I don't know what else is out there in that creation. And so the aspects of this creation, the foundation was that there was no faith on earth when the first man walked in the garden with his wife. And so God did something. He allowed them to have a choice. They didn't have a choice on loving him. When they were created, they loved God perfectly. They didn't have to worry about loving one another. If you're totally unselfish and not a self-centered person, then Adam and Eve had this harmonious relationship, a great time together. I mean, there was never an argument, never a problem. Why would you have a problem? The only reason we have problems is because we're self-centered. If Marianne did everything my way and the way I want it, we wouldn't have any problems in our house except where I fall down sometimes. But 
she's got a mind of her own. <laughs> that's, that's our problems. It's a very simple thing to explain, but a hard thing to work out of. Well, man did disobey in God's choice for him on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, the scripture says that God created evil and darkness. Isn't, isn't creation a fascinating thing? First, wherever God came from, he had to step out and create space. First, he had to create the space. It's like, it reminds me of, of when Marianne buys our groceries, we have a counter, we put them on. We have to clean off the counter and prepare a place for it. In order to prepare a place for the sun and the moon and the stars and the skies and the dark matter and the light matter and the dark holes and everything else that's in space, space had to be created. And then all that stuff was created. And apparently that all happened in that first verse. God created the heaven and the earth. And then things start falling apart. Well, after man sinned, and sin means you turn from God being God and you make yourself a God. Remember the devil said, the reason he doesn't want you to do this is because he didn't want you to be a God like him. Well, that wasn't exactly the reason God's not created. But the created people of God wanted to be like God wanted to be gods and so like sin began to take over their life when they <clears throat> disobeyed him when they actually rebelled against God rebellion's never a cute thing kids talk about being rebellious and they glorify rebellion in the movies and they have um the South named itself the rebels. That's an evil thing. Rebellion is evil. It's, it's anti-Christ. It's a, it's a bad thing. So Adam and Eve rebelled against God. They chose themselves to become over God. And what happened? They knew they weren't. It was a big trick. God, the devil promised that they would be over God, and then when he showed up, they weren't over God. They discovered they, they didn't have anything. They didn't have any clothes. They didn't have anything, and they hid. And, and God asked them, why are you ashamed? Why, what, what's happened to you? He knew very well what's happened. Not only did he know, but he planned for the situation. It was not his will that they sinned. But it was his will that if they did sin, he had a plan B for everything. And before the foundation of the world in which they were made, the plan was completely worked out. And Jesus was on the scene. And he walked with them and talked with them. So faith was born after they had to hide. 
Faith is the evidence of things not seen. And if you're hiding things, you have things that are not seen. God became invisible to mankind. And in order to meet him, they had to have faith. And this faith had to, to, was the connection between mankind and God himself. And it still is. And people who totally rem- who trust in their mind, which I think is a very weak thing to do, but if you totally trust in your mind to know everything, like the professors on the TV this morning, then you don't know very much. The wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. And a four-year-old that knows Jesus knows more than the poor professor that's got eight degrees behind his name. They have something inside of them. They don't have to figure out everything like the guy in in the professorship. He has to know all the answers. And there aren't answers for a lot of things. We don't have all the answers. And so the foundation of faith is that because man sinned and because we have sin, we also have to have faith. And faith will give us the victory to overcome the sin. So the next problem is our fellowship with God. One interesting thing about all this is God doesn't forgive the sins of unbelievers. Now, I know that's been watered down a lot in our society today, and people think, well, if you ask for forgiveness, you get forgiveness. You don't. You don't get forgiveness until you know him. Now, you can get forgiveness from one another. You can ask for forgiveness, and sometimes you get it, and sometimes you don't with, with each other. But with God, it's different. God reserves the point to where if you come to him, and that takes faith. If you're coming to God, you come to him, that is faith. You believe that he is or you wouldn't come up to him. And you accept the fact that he is, then you're exercising faith. And that faith is what is the important point. After we become a Christian, God can forgive us of our sins, all of our sins. His blood, this whole thing is about the forgiveness of sin and the fellowship with God. All fellowship is based upon our relationship with one another and what comes in between the relationship. And so if you have a, a child and that child is rebelling against you, There's a break in the fellowship. There's a sin there. It could be a sin on either part, either side, you know. But if our child sins against us, there's something in between us. We have to take care of that thing. There are sins that are between us and God. There are sins between us and each other. But ultimately, all sin is answerable to God himself because he's the only one that can totally cover it, totally wash it away. 
totally take care of the problem. And so the sin problem is, has to do with the fellowship that we have. Sin breaks fellowship. Consequently, the problems that we have with one another and is an ongoing problem. We have within us a sinful heart, a disobedient heart, a disobedient ideal. And we practice our selfishness and express our selfishness, which is our sinful nature acting up, and, it, and sins are created. Like the sin of stealing. If I say, well, I want that water right there. And she says, it's mine. I've already drank out of it. I don't care what you want. I only care what I want. All sins are based in selfishness. Everything that you do that's not right with God, the sin problem, he takes care of. He will take care of with us. And so our fellowship with him has to do with our working on our problem areas and asking him for forgiveness and seeking that forgiveness, and, he, and we get that forgiveness. He moves in us to do those things. We have the little light, like the kids hell. That little light is in us, and that little light can be shaded. There's one of the verses that says, don't put your light under a bushel basket. Don't cover it up. Don't make it, don't restrict that light. And sin does that. Sin restricts the light within us and creates a problem between us and the Father who's in the light himself. He is the light. And so the Christians are forgiven, completely forgiven, when we, when our, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. God himself forgives us of all our sins. Not only does he forgive us of the sins that we're committing now or that we committed in the past, he forgives them for all time in our life. So it's not like we're working with a problem that can't be solved. So if he's already forgiven my sin that I'm going to do next week, he already knows, he's already appropriated the answer. He's already shed the blood. He's already paid for it with his own sacrifice. And so when I come to him, he's got the big end of the stick. He's got the big end of the yoke. He's got the heavy part. And I come with my little sin and ask him to forgive. He says, well, look what I've done for you. I've done it. I've taken care of this. So glad you came and asked about it because now you're forgiven. And then we began the struggle with not doing it again. Well, yeah, sin's an ongoing problem in our life, but it's not the big problem. The big problem is keeping that faith in our life and having the faith that's victorious in us. It requires prayer. Prayer is made up of a couple of different points. The first one, always the first one, our Father which is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The first thing is worship. 
The first thing in prayer, the reason we pray is to enter into worship. The reason that we have song time, which is a part of praying, is, is, a, is to worship God. Why do you worship God? Because it puts God first. When we worship God, we're beginning the process of dying to self and becoming alive to him. We're allowing him to become preeminent, to become the God. Our worship of God creates the place. Even the preaching is a part of the worship. Our songs, our giving is a part of worship. Everything that we do that, that contributes to our dying to self and being alive to him is a form of worship. And so the worship part of our praying puts us in order. Why do you do things like that? Well, that's, why, that's when you, you recognize that he's the creator. It's a big deal to go through that. You can go through this every day the rest of your life and you'll never get it all said and figured out. But it's a wonderful thing, especially if you walk out at night and look up into the heavens and you think, my, how small am I? <laughs> and you look at what God has created and you think, you did all this. There's a reason why we worship and why we put God first. In the first chapter of Romans, the three main points in the chapter of Romans is that man will deify man, humanize God, and minimize sin. So the first point of deifying man is when we worship, we begin to take our deity away from ourselves. We become less the God and him more the God. And it's a process. I mean, we have problems with this. I, one of the things that is also sticks in my crawl, like creation, like claiming to be creators, like taking the place of God, is, is needing our opinions on everything. Everything on TV is these opinions. You have all of these shows, and they have four people sitting around. Everybody gives their opinion on everything. Well, that's fine for being a part of the world. But in this kingdom that we're in, there's only one opinion. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not ours. But it's for us. It's completely ours in the sense that it becomes a part of us. When you're born again, when you accept Jesus Christ, he comes in, he takes the whole word and puts it in you. The whole Bible stuck in your heart. And all of the gospel, which means good news, is stuck in there in your, in your heart of hearts, your life. And it's not up here yet because you don't, most of you, when you first become a Christian, can't quote the whole scripture. You might know a few, but you don't know much. But when you open that Bible and look at that verse, and something happens, it's that electricity that goes from that plug into your heart to that little light. And a light comes on you and say, wow. I, I can believe that. I mean, I feel that. I know that. 
there's something real that's a part of me here. And God gives his light to us. Well, in the faith that we have in knowing Christ, faith doesn't bring the victory. Faith is the victory. God's bigger than our problems because we've been worshiping him. When you worship him, God gets bigger and bigger and bigger in your understanding and your mind. I mean, you're letting him have the, the stage. And the more you worship him, the more he takes the stage. And the more you can step back and look at him and think, yeah, I'm praying for my toenail to quit hurting. He's bigger than my toenail. Well, you think that's funny, but it's not really that funny. What if I think, well, my problem is so big, he can't do anything about it. Listen, he might be able to forgive you, but you don't know what I've done and what's in my heart. You don't know what comes into my mind a lot. You think, you think you're, you're a bad person, you've got bad things. I've, I've got the biggest sin. I'm so proud of that. And God can't take care of that because I've got the biggest sin in the world. And so here I am. And I'll brag about meeting you down in Hades. That's crazy. A lot of the movies have that in it. You know, I'll meet you. They're shooting one another and they say, I'll meet you in hell. What an ambition. <laughs> that shouldn't produce too much peace. <laughs> but we're so proud of that. We're so proud of our of our our wrongness, our evil. And God's asking us to let him change us. Let that light begin to shine. I'm going to tell you again about the Holy Spirit. This is not an opinion matter. Your opinion doesn't mean a thing. I'm only telling you what's been revealed. When God created the earth, it says the spirit moved over the waters of the deep. That wasn't bigger than the world. It was just moving over the waters of the deep. I don't think many of you caught which light came on first when we turned the lights on. When the kids were holding them, you don't know which light came on first or back by your sight. We know by theory, or because we've been told that electricity travels, and therefore it had to hit the first light first and get to the end light. But we didn't see that. And the Holy Spirit is like Jesus. In fact, just like Jesus. They're exactly the same. In fact, they are the same. And the Father's the same. And so here's the Holy Spirit. Jesus was maybe 
my size, maybe not as big as me. Most people weren't in that day. Maybe 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, they didn't get a lot to eat, so he wasn't probably stocky or heavy or anything. One of those scrawny people out there in the desert. And, and so that's the way the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is a little different than God the Father in the sense that he's an expression that, that is released of himself to minister to each person. Now, we're not as big as the ocean. He moves at his beginning speed is the speed of light, 386,000 miles a second. Is that it? What is it? 386,000 miles a second. So those lights came on and they looked like they all came on at once to us. Exactly the same thing in this room. The Holy Spirit, I don't know how make, makes how many rounds before I say one full word. Word. <laughs> That's supposed to be one syllable. I can nearly make it two. Well, in that one state, in that one word, the Holy Spirit has been through this group how many times? I don't know how many times because he also was traveling around the world through a lot of other. But let's say he's going 10 to the 10th power times the speed of light because he's God. He can go into, what do they call it in the space program? Hyperdrive or hyper something. Think of that. We think he's every place at once, but he's not. He's ministering to you. He's just touching you. It's like he's got an individual love affair going on with you personally. And he's revealing what to us? What's his job? It's to reveal Jesus Christ to us. He's revealing Jesus that we might love Jesus and make him preeminent in our life. The more you fall in love with Jesus, the greater your capacity to overcome the sin problem in the fellowship relationship. The greater our capacity to express this releases our faith. Faith is a gift. It was a gift because man was already created and they sinned and God gave them the gift to overcome the sin and to know him. Faith is a gift to us. And there's a gift of faith. Faith is a gift to us because it's a gift to every person. And also there's a gift of faith like the gift of tongues or the gift of healing or the gift of, of something. So you've got, you've got faith. And your light's either on or it's not on. If you don't know Jesus, your light isn't on. And what do you do to get the light on? I believe in Jesus. I accept him right now. I, I have chosen to 
to go where he's at and to believe him right now, in my mind, I, I accept that. It's a mental thing to start with. And then God touches your spirit. As soon as you make an, a move, as soon as there's any effort, he's already paid for all that. He's already accepted you. He loves every person in the world just the same. And now he's asking you to come to him. And when we don't come to him, he accepts us. And when we accept him, we're exercising faith. And that faith, even though it might be small at the beginning, it's big enough to encompass God. That's how big our faith is. We start off with great faith. So I drew a diagram of the whole thing. Here it is. The whole wonderful plan. This is us and God. And our faith has brought us together. That's created the relationship, the fellowship. Our faith has responded, his creation has responded in us together. And then the gifts are out here. Whatever we're praying for. We're praying for healing or for funds. We pray a lot for money. (laughs) And the, you know, the lottery and things like that. And we're praying for forgiveness. And we're praying for protection. Those are... I, there's a few more things we pray for, but primarily they're here. <laughs> we pray for that. And they're the gifts that are outside. The victory is to get to this point. Now, your problem is to figure out which one is you and which one is God in this. And you know what? Doesn't make any difference. Because we become one with him. And it doesn't make any difference about how many of the gifts that he's got out there for us. And when we receive one of those gifts, we're receiving it by faith. Our faith is already there because the faith is what creates the victory. The faith doesn't produce a victory. Never produces anything outside of us. It's already there. Our faith is the victory. Being with Christ is the victory. Recognizing that he's recognized us is the greatest joy in the world. When a person prays a prayer or is thinking about something and you get an answer, bigger than the answer is, is that God would stop, take time and look at you and give you the time of day to give you an answer. The fact that he would even come to us is an amazing thing. At least if I were God, I could choose better than me to fool around with. And I think that our coming to him, our belief in him, our acceptance of him and being thrilled with him is the answer. And it's the answer for our healings. 
What, what does he do outside? It, well, he gives us forgiveness. He answers the prayers. He gives us many things. He gives them in different ways. We don't always know how to interpret them. I don't even know how to interpret protection. I pray for safety. and When I drive, I pray for safety. The older I get, the more I pray for safety. I don't, I can't see what's behind me if I don't have cameras and mirrors and things because it's, it's really hard to, to get around there and look up behind you even to, I mean, life isn't easy without Jesus. With Jesus, yeah, there's peace, there's joy, there's answers. God has done the work. I'm praying that this morning that you'll recognize that God is bigger than our problems. Now, he paid for all these gifts right here. He paid for the gifts. And what is this? It's in remembrance. That's why it's written across here. In remembrance of me. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Jesus was speaking. When we remember that our faith is going to bring us together in him, even our faith in this sacrament is an amazing thing. We, we don't make it a real big deal because we have this fast food type of communion. But start praying now as if you were at the altar of God. Start letting that begin to soak in right now. That when you receive this, he said you're taking my body, my flesh and blood. Now he said that. We know that this is a, a wafer and grape juice. He doesn't know that. He thinks it's his blood and himself that he's giving to you. That's what Jesus offers. What if you actually have faith in that? Every answer is complete. Not in the physical element of it, but the faith that the element is the very presence of God. And the presence of God is our healing. The presence of God is our forgiveness. The presence of God is our provisions. The presence of God is our release and freedom. But what if we actually believe that this morning? What will happen? I want to bring you to this table this morning. The feast the feast that God gives us to accept his faith and to do his work. The faith that forgives us of all of our sins, that changes our lives, that makes us love one another, that makes us have an ability to die to self and let him be real in our lives. And then we become who we were made to be. So pray with me for a moment.
Father, we take this bread. You said to take it, that it is your broken body. And your body was broken for us so that it would go around the world to every person. That all of us would experience not only taking your body, but being a part of your body. This little wafer is actually becoming a part of me now, and I thank you for that, Jesus. And taking this cup, knowing that I've accepted you and I'm a part of your body, I accept the forgiveness for my sins, which are many, and ask that you forgive me of them, refresh me, deal with my problems and my shortcomings, and forgive all sin in Jesus' name. This is the body and blood of Jesus. Would those assisting come forward?